we kind of made fun of it in that episode <laughs> where it's like after one month tool improved by five percent seven percent but that was still significant yes. whereas you can't really say the same in glycerin Alrighty, welcome back, everybody. This is the Chemist Confessions podcast. I'm Victoria, and I'm Gloria, and this is a human conversation on all the skincare science we talk about on the daily. Um, and before we get started, if uh, you are a YouTuber um, watching us, you might realize we are not where we usually are. Yep. Um, the podcast room is out of commission, so <laughs> we're in the lab today. So you guys get a little peek to our science poster, science. our mixer, and just some <laughs> of the bottles in the background. Yeah, this is our little lab, so hopefully you guys can see it. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, today we are talking about glycerin. Hey. And wait, no, don't go anywhere. Come back. I promise <laughs> you this is very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, we actually, we pulled people on our Instagram account on one moisturizing ingredient they want us to hit. And glycerin is one of those things that people are uh, are realizing that, oh, it's starting to gain a following or even though it's been around for a long time, uh, it's touted as kind of that unsung hero that you don't think about a lot. So today we are going to talk about glycerin and whether or not it is secretly the best human. Yeah, and I think when we polled people about glycerin, we realized there's actually a lot of questions about even what this ingredient is. Like, you know, they hear that it's this hype hydration ingredient, but like, what does it do? How much to look for? So we're going to try to answer all those questions for you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Starting with, what is glycerin? Glycerin is a relatively really simple molecule. Mm-hmm. It's considered a sugar alcohol. Mm-hmm. Dropping off the draw, uh, the drying time, mm-hmm. it just means that it has three alcohol groups on the chemical structure. Mm-hmm. It's very hydrating. It's very water friendly. And fun fact, uh, glycerin is called <clears throat> glycerin is actually the backbone of a lot of fatty structures that occur in nature. You might hear about things like triglycerides. It's literally called triglycerides because it has three fatty cells attached to a glycerol backbone. Mm-hmm. And that's why, one more fun fact, when you make soap and you saponify and break off that bond, you have glycerin as a side effect. And um, and yeah, it's actually everywhere. Yeah. And one thing to keep in mind is um, glycerin can actually be sourced from both animal and plant. But in cosmetics, it's predominantly plants. Yeah very i don't think i've stumbled upon an animal derived glycerin i think it's there's just no need. not as like efficient yeah it's not needed really it might most of the cosmetic sources of glycerin does come from vegetable sources mm. uh, but outside of cosmetics you can find it in all sorts of fields from food additives to medical applications now those may be sourced from petrochemicals and other sources but either way it's really everywhere and in medical applications the use level can be up to 85, 90% or using a NEAT as a light antimicrobial. Um, ultimately, if that doesn't tell you how cheap it is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if it's used in everything, it's economical. <laughs> I think Victoria and I, when we first started, we had a quick little blip on what glycerin is. Yes. And we call it the Frank's Red Hot yeah. of skincare because we put that shit in everything. We sure do. Yes, we do. Just to get that hydration aspect of the product. Um, yeah. Yeah, I it's, think I, I was going to just say it is very weird to see how glamorous glycerin mm-hmm. has become when as chemists, we know that that's kind of like it's like the default yeah. because of its benefits. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, no one's going to care. It's so like it's so not interesting. So right? basic. So exactly. Vanilla. But um, it is fun that people are now curious. So we should talk about what are its benefits and aspects? Yeah. Um. What it boils down to is glycerin is a hydrator. It's yes. a water grabber. It's one of the 
uh, one of the most common humectants you'll see in your products. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should add that one of the key differences between this and say hyaluronic acid is its size. Uh, hyaluronic acid is a polymer. So that means it's huge. In the, uh, in the episode, right before this one, we talked about how it can range from something like 50,000 all the way to the millions, million. Dalton. Yeah. And glycerin is like sitting at like 80. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite small. Um, I actually read a random stat in one of the papers saying that it takes three days for glycerin to absorb its weight in water. And I realized there's no stat out there on glycerin, but I just thought oh. that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, cool. Glycerin just sitting there like, yeah. slowly. Whoop. Three days. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a humectant. Um, but yeah, we should, um, there's, I think one of the great things about glycerin is actually of the hydrators out there, there's actually some data. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these hydrators, it's, it can be very proprietary. Um, people don't really care about hydrators. So they're not going to do this very technical work mm-hmm. to show proof of concept. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's actually been the chemist's favorite for like 50 years. So <laughs> when we were doing the research, putting this episode together, we were able to find some papers from like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to kind of highlight the, um, the power of glycerin, this is a relatively old paper that mm-hmm. just looked at this is very simple. Um, it's not put in a cream, so there's no emollients or occlusive. This is just a water-glycerin um, combo. And they tested glycerin at, well, 0%, 5%, and 15%. And then tested immediate effects on water loss and showed that the more glycerin you have, the less water loss you, you experience. Which this is, is over big- four hours. Yeah. Yeah. And this effect pers- persists over the entire four hours. So, yeah, that said... Um, I did want to add um, oh. one study where in the same paper, they were very um, academic about mm-hmm. this. So you might be wondering, because no one would ever, as a humectant in water, it's not always ideal to show like, you know, it, it's the goal is it will evaporate because there's no like oil component to help keep that. So I did like that they did an oil and water cream with 10% glycerin mm-hmm. um, versus an empty cream. And they did see that it, like it's significant, but it's like, marginally better mm-hmm. i think um in terms of um improving tool over a seven hour period so i did want to share that if you guys are curious what would happen if glycerin's in in a yeah, yeah that's a great point and then finally um we should talk about i think one of the things is well the studies we shared you can hear that the time point is quite short yeah a couple four hours to seven hours yeah. yeah so what about long term? Yeah, in this same paper, like Victoria said, they're very academic and yeah. they think about all these scenarios. Yeah. So they actually had the subjects use these um, moisturizers, the blank versus the one with 10% glycerin yeah. over two weeks. Yeah. And I will say, well, when I was doing research, I find these old papers get very creative with their charts and graphs because <laughs> I did a double tails and I have not seen charts that look like this in some time. Also, it's so hard to <laughs> to have a takeaway between the two <laughs> weeks and we'll explain what this test is. Yeah, so basically they send these subjects home with these creams mm-hmm. and then they measure, um, they measure them one week after and then again two weeks after. Mm-hmm. And then they div- basically divvy up into um, subjects that improved in terms of skin hydration yeah. and subjects that didn't improve. Mm-hmm. This isn't about the magnitude of improvement. It's just yay or nay. So if it falls under the, the x-axis, that means it didn't improve. And then if it goes above, that means the subject show improvement. And as you can see, uh, the regular moisturizer without glycerin, subjects, some subjects respond okay to it and show some improvement. And, but between one week and two weeks, the amount of people that improved stayed pretty much the same. Whereas right off the bat, almost everyone saw hydration improvement in the glycerin group. And then by the end of two weeks, everyone in the glycerin group saw some sort of improvement. Again, how much? We don't know. <laughs> yeah. And it's really hard to see like 
a difference. What I mean, and going back to my statement before, was it's hard to see a difference between one week and two weeks. Like, yeah. how much more of an improvement do we see? It's like, mm, but they say it's significant improvement. So, this is one of those trippy charts where I did a double take. I was like, yeah, who, which port in trying to put the dots in there? <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, okay, so hopefully that gives you an idea of what glycerin can do for skin, mm-hmm. um, how it performs in the short term as well as possible long term. But I think the general question that everyone is aware of is there are so many humectants out there. How does it compare? Is it the one that everyone should be using? That why do we use anything else? So let's get into that after a quick break. Yep, let's take a break. Speaking of humectants, we have to slot in a quick blip on our humectant champion, Aquafade. Mm-hmm. Knowing us, we research like hell for the right blend of humectants based on their benefits and size to cover all your hydration needs. It also comes with a heavy resume of soothers, so use this to boost your hydration game, pair with your heavy-duty actives, or just add it in to maintain happy skin. And don't forget, for podcast listeners, please use promo code CCPODCAST2024 for 15% off your first order. <gasps> <We're back. laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So. I like this part. <laughs> for the question of the week. Is glycerin secretly the best humectant? Um, and, you know, like Victoria mentioned, in the hydration realm, there's very little comparative data. Mm-hmm. And again, once we leave the retinal realm, the comparative studies <laughs> tend to be far and wide in between, sometimes really small. You know, I think it's funny that we started with retinal now mm-hmm. that I think about it, because it's like, here, we give you all this really interesting data. And for the rest of the months, y'all are going to have to hear us talk about really crappy data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such, such, such is the cards that we are dealt with. But I will say as far as hydrators, hydrators go, glycerin is actually yes. pretty well studied. Yes. And again, it's been used and been a cosmetic chemist favorite since the 60s, probably. Yeah. So there is a good amount of comparative studies out there. And two of the ingredients that it often gets benched against is hyaluronic acid and urea. Mm. We will do a dedicated episode on urea next. but So we'll go into more about what it is and whatnot. But um, I find the, those comparative studies to be super interesting because it highlights a really key difference between what glycerin does for your skin and what urea does for your skin. Totally. So let's get into the data. Um, first things first, Gloria found a paper that's going to look at uh, test glycerin versus urea. Mm-hmm. This is for 27 subjects, so relatively small. Um, they uh, have four test area sites that they treated with either cream uh, for three days, and they apply this cream three times a day. Um, I think uh, one thing to keep in mind is that they are they. The study actually also wanted to. They had done a previous study that did um, water and oil, and then this time the emulsion is oil and water and a lot of you are like, what does that even mean? It just means that it's a classic lotion system yeah. that they're including glycerin or urea. Yeah. yeah. So this one's really interesting. They test it. Actually, well, they throw in a 10% propylene glycol for... Oh, yeah. Yeah, for shits and giggles, I guess. But um, I think it's actually really interesting because <laughs> <laughs> because a lot of times we will, even us, will highlight the glycols. Like, okay, this yeah. is humectant, but we don't place yeah. a lot of weight on yeah. them. And this is why. Uh, they measured the skin hydration and... Uh, we'll put the results up on the screen. Uh, note that corneometer and the ski con, you might be like, what's the ski con? Sky con? <laughs> They're basically two different ways mm. of measuring s- skin hydration mm. or water level in the, uh, uh, in the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, a, friction mi- a friction meter, which is again now super common, and a cutometer, which basically measures like bounciness in the skin, how skin recovers from force. Um, you can see by both the ski con <laughs> and the corneometer that the glycerin group 
did amazing in terms of hydration. <laughs> yes, compared to the rest. So based on the charts, you can you might already think, wow, glycerin seems superior in every single way, in almost every measure. Mm. So case closed, right? But let's take a look at the conclusions a little bit more. This study was done by a group that's actually looked at glycerin in a couple different studies. And in their discussion, we highlighted a couple interesting takeaways to, to talk about with you guys. Um, they, t- they said, in our earlier studies, a hydrating effect of glycerol could be proven. The effect was much more distinct when glycerol was applied in oil and water emulsion rather than a watering oil emulsion, is what Victoria was mentioning earlier. <laughs> Further study revealed a distinct dose dependency um, of the hydrating effect by glycerol. <sighs> Why do they make it so long? <laughs> of hydrating effect up by glycerol in a liquid oil and water emulsion, 5% showed a relatively low effect, and at 10%, a much noticeable hydration was seen. So again, this is the conclusion drawn by this paper. And then the uh, and then the discussion also says that in the present studies with corneometer and the SKICOM 200, shows that the effect of 10% urea in an oil and water emulsion is minute. Mm. So based on the study, you're like, okay, wow, this is great. This group has proved that Glycerin is greater than than urea. urea. Mm -hmm. And also that um, it's dose dependency. So all I got to do is find a 10% glycerin um, cream and close the book on this chapter, right? Oh, wait. There's more. (laughs) (laughs) You have subscribed to them, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, Urea, as we'll get into more in the next episode, is often used at pretty high levels to treat actually pretty serious conditions. In this next study we'll look at, they actually looked at a 20% glycerin cream Benched against the cream was just 4% urea combined with 4% sodium chloride um, in treatment of dry skin. And we should mention that um, it, what I realized, and it's kind of weird, is they, they want to treat dry skin, mm-hmm. but the patients they use actually have uh, eczema. Mm-hmm. Um, and so compromised barrier. Yes. So they have a compromised barrier. The test size is actually much bigger. You're looking at 109 subjects and they wanted to treat this group for 30 days, one month, which is very different than a three day study. Yep. Um, so this is a really interesting, uh, almost like very different scenario mm-hmm. to test these same ingredients under. Yeah, so we'll show the results here. Um, We are going to be looking at their tool results. And again, very artistic graphs to look at. (laughs) So um, as you can take a look, you'll start to see the comparison and it looks like there's not as much of a takeaway between these two. Yeah, uh, the the big takeaway is they both did better than the placebo, (laughs) which is cool. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) But both glycerin and urea appear to decreased tool or decreased mm-hmm. transepidermal water loss mm-hmm. somewhat. Mm-hmm. But and this, this uh, if you just look at the chart, you might be like, okay, so it seems like it's on par. But the conclusion when they look closer at the numbers was that, and they said, and I quote, no difference in tool was found between the glycerin treatment and its placebo, whereas a lower value was found in the urea treated area compared to the glycerin treated area. No difference in skin capacitance or um, it's more of a instant like skin hydration level mm-hmm. measurement was found. The clinical assessment of drainage showed urea to be superior to glycerin in treating the condition. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so this is obviously very, it contradicts the Mm -hmm. previous study. This paper is really strange because they actually acknowledge that um, the relationship, so they talk about how the relationship between the degree of skin dryness and tool Mm -hmm. is actually quite complex. And this is something that Gloria and I have experienced when we actually do our Previously at our uh, jobs, we would do moisturizing studies and they're quite annoying. Mm -hmm. Um, So they actually write elevated levels can be found in hyperhydrated skin, Mm -hmm. which is skin that's very saturated with water. There's so much water that it's just evaporating. It's easily evaporated out, right? 
And then in dry skin, such as in atopic patients, then the value is usually lowest in normal appearing skin. And that makes sense, right? Your tool should be um, decreased with healthy skin, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, a low value, um, this improvement that we're seeing, it's, um, it's inverse. Um, hopefully everyone's st- sticking with me on this. An inverse is good where the tool is lower. However, a low value may also be found in skin that appears to be dry since the major permeability barrier may be confined to the lower part of the stratum corneum and the dryness to the outermost stratum corneum. So they're basically saying that while tool is an industry standard to measure hydration in the skin, um, it doesn't give you the clearest of picture of actually what's going on. And they're trying to explain why these results maybe aren't as I guess, definitive as they were hoping to see. So that's actually a great point. And um, we'll kind of like package that again a little bit for you guys. Tool transepidermal water loss, as you can probably imagine, the healthier your skin barrier, the lower this value should be theoretically. But if your skin's already so dry, there's nothing to evaporate out, mm-hmm. it might give you a deceivingly low tool. Mm-hmm. Or if your skin's so soaked with water, it might give you a deceivingly high tool. Yes, exactly. So what this paper did really, really well on is other than the tool graph that we highlighted, they also had um, medical prof- uh, professionals assess the skin mm. on other characteristics like cracks, redness, roughness, mm. and scaling. Yeah, and I, the paper is kind of making a point that measuring tool is great, but you kind of have to pair it yeah. with these type of assessments to really understand how a product is performing for dry skin. Yeah. And in the bar graph, you can see, well, I hope you can see, <laughs> they, they have really creative graphs <laughs> while blowing up here, <laughs> that the urea cream definitely is significantly better than the yeah. glycerin cream in terms of decreasing all signs of dry skin. Yeah. So both scaling and for me, like the most jarring one is definitely the redness and cracks. Yeah. Um. Basically, people with cracked skin, the cracks has disappeared in urea cream, where it seems to stay a little consistent in the glycerin group. Yeah. I will say this is a large-ish study with 100 people, but it's divided equally amongst the groups. So I also feel like the urea group started with worse skin it seems like so that scale of improvement yeah, is more impressive um but at the same time glycerin still helps but just not to the same degree as, as urea but what's interesting is in the previous instant three-day hydration study they use the same level of mm. urea and glycerin and to make the assessment that they're on par or like glycerin superior in terms of hydration versus this one's 10 percent glycerin versus four percent urea sorry 20 percent. sorry 20 percent. yeah 20 percent glycerin versus four just four percent yes so then with this study, you might be wondering, hey, so you're saying urea is better than glycerin? Yeah, and, and I just also, before we even try to form a conclusion around this, seeing a study like this is super rare. You are never going to get tool and an expert grading on hydration. Like, I, I don't think we ever really see this, and it's a lot of money. So um, I just want to point that out. But yes, so... To conclude, where are we at, Gloria? <laughs> so I think for me, um, this is, these are just the two studies we're going to go through more thoroughly here. Yeah. But while I was doing my research, they actually did look at it again in a couple different studies. Mm-hmm. And in those studies, um, they showed that glycerin didn't really impact tool very much uh, in the long term. This is a more comparisons against urea? Yes. Okay. Um, and that was consistent across a couple papers. Mm-hmm. So I think when I read these two papers, uh, my takeaway will be, Glycerin seems to be a really, really good instant hydrator. Mm. It's going to give you that that um, that almost saturated skin feel. It's really going to bring the water level up in your stratum corneum. But in terms of long-term help, it's not going to be as helpful as some of the other guys. Mm. And I also want to give a shout out back to the hyaluronic acid episode yeah. where they measured tool. Long-term. 
we kind of made fun of it in that episode <laughs> where it's like after one month tool improved by five percent seven percent but that was still significant yes. whereas you can't really say the same in glycerin yeah no that's a really good point i think that's something that you guys will see a theme on with all these humectants is that each come with their own benefits mm-hmm. and the real answer is that glycerin is great the and uh, but you are missing out if you're only going to single out and only get glycerin like why there's no need to exactly so. and i think that's the other half of hydration is a lot of people are like okay i just want the best hydrator guys yeah but there's two different concepts at play here one is hydration period water grabbing power the end glycerin is amazing it's one of the best you can get there's no direct comparison in terms of it being the best because you're just never gonna have a comparison across a hundred different <laughs> materials yeah but it is one of the best but in terms of barrier care and longer term um longer term improvement especially if you have compromised skin this is not it yes so all this might be very confusing to you you're like wait so glycerin doesn't help your skin long term so we're going to take a step away from the comparison studies and look at this one really, really quickly that just focus on glycerin and long-term impact. So in this study, they tested the influence of a cream with 20% glycerin. So again, a very high level of glycerin. And it's compared with a placebo. Love that. Um, they tested this on 17 healthy volunteers. Very small study. Yep. They focused both on corneometer, so skin hydration level, and also tool. So they assessed the permeability of skin um, over time. Mm-hmm. They also decided to, because these are uh, subjects with normal skin, they decided to irritate their skin first with SLS to see, um, okay, so let's impair the barrier function a little bit, use this cream, and see how it impacts hydration and tool. Yes, so this was done kind of as a medium-length study. The study, uh, the subjects were yeah. irritated and then used <laughs> yeah. the cream for 10 days. Yeah. I'm starting to feel like hydration study time length is very arbitrary. Well, Okay, this is gonna this uh, remind me in the next segment for us to talk about how long to use a moisturizer to know if it really helps your skin or not. Because this time point feels like it's all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the conclusion here is a ten day treatment of normal skin with twenty percent glycerin significantly increased skin corneometer values, indicating an increase in hydration. Mm-hmm. However, no influence on tool was observed following treatment with glycerin, and no difference in skin sensitivity to SLS induced irritation was obtained between the areas. So this actually, I think, summarizes our general feels on mm-hmm. what glycerin does, right? Yeah. So immediate hydration, when bueno. uh, long-term improvement in tool or how it may affect general skin barrier and improvements there, mm, can't say. Yeah. So hopefully, I think that's a great study to end on um, in terms of just summarizing our general feels about yes. this good humectant, but not the best. Yeah, so there's a lot of different (laughs) concepts of um, hydration and also barrier function at play here. So let's sum it up. Um, We've hopefully through these studies, we've painted the picture that actually the results kind of vary. It's not like a winner across the board, right? But we know glycerin is helpful. Um, So uh, the first summary that Gloria just mentioned is glycerin is a great humectant for daily hydration. Mm -hmm. The second is based on the data, It's pretty mixed and we feel that in terms of long-term barrier support, we're not going to be relying on this ingredient for that aspect. But daily hydration, yes. Yes. And last thing to hit on is we get a lot of questions on percentages. Yeah. Glycerin has been tested (laughs) at a wide percentage range from 5 to 10 to 15 to 20. Yeah. While the data, if you look at it neat, does imply more is more Mm -hmm. when it comes to glycerin. But at the same time, again, we don't really think it should be the only humectant in your routine. So... 5% will be fine as long as you mix it with other stuff. But if you use it neat, 
um, you pro- or, or you if you use it as your solo hydrator, you might need a much higher percentage, like in the 10 or 20 percent realm. So with that, let's, let's take, take a break. break. All right. So instead of our commercial today, we are throwing you another animal fun fact for your trivia night. Yeah, this one is super. Uh, OK, maybe not fun, but I find it very topical because mm-hmm. this is about how Transepidermal water loss is not just a human, <laughs> for, uh, not a human problem, but it's a problem for bats, mm-hmm. especially with climate change. Okay. Did you know that compared to other mammals, bats have a lot of surface area, and that means they tend to lose water more easily through evaporation across their skin. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, with climate change and the temperatures are rising, now bats are really at risk of drying out and dying from dehydration through tool. Yep. Uh, this is kind of a rough scenario all around. In a recent study, which cross-referenced the number of bats admitted to wildlife rehab oh, and centers no. in Italy with weather data. The study an- analyzed roughly 20 years of data, found that more bats were brought in for treatment, typically because they fell from their roots, showing signs of injury or dehydration oh, no. in the weeks when it was in the high 80s or hotter. So heat waves across the board are not only bad for humans, it's really rough on wildlife as well. Wait, this isn't a fun animal fact. This is a sad animal this fact. This is a very sad animal fact. And today, uh, the takeaway is to alert you guys that Climate change affects our ecosystem very severely. Yeah, and bats play a very important part in our ecosystem for sure. Wait, so uh, yeah. uh, since they are having such issues with tool, do we just dunk them in Vaseline and send them on their way? <laughs> so bats glide. I feel like adding yeah, Vaseline weight might be an issue. Don't do too. that. I actually, I wanted to share because I thought this was really interesting and random mm-hmm. is that apparently bats, their flight pattern is actually very different and mm-hmm. They're actually very weird mm-hmm. compared to birds um, because bats, if you think about it, they don't take off from like a stationary position. They have to basically hang because they're hanging upside down. They need that lift to fly from falling. So it's oh. like a, so bats as a flying species is a very weird animal. And yeah. So if you ever because I don't know, I, I never thought about it. I was like, yeah, if you think about it. Bats, in order to fly, have to do the weirdest things, even to just get some air and lift. Yeah, I actually think if they didn't carry rabies, bats are freaking cute, man. (laughs) (laughs) Some of them. Some of them, I don't know. Face only a mother could love. (laughs) That is true. But either way, they play an important role um, all all over the world, across different ecosystems. So I guess it's not a fun animal fat corner, but just something (laughs) to think about. And if you're curious about this subject, definitely take a look at the research and um, join save the bats all right uh let's wrap this up let's talk about how to use glycerin in your routine which is going to be relatively simple and how to shop for glycerin Mm -hmm. and i think gloria found this really awesome paper first and you thought we were done with studies this really awesome paper um that actually wanted to look at a blends you know how we were talking about how blends might be more advantageous well here's a study for you um this is where they investigated We wanted to look at glycerin, hyaluronic acid, and silicon oil together in a cream or separately and see if how they performed. Yeah, this is super interesting. They literally, they actually did six creams and they investigated using these creams after 30 minutes versus after six hours Mm -hmm. and basically just did a bunch of combinations. Mm -hmm. Basically only glycerin, only hyaluronic acid, only dimethicone versus combinations of these. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion finds that Looking at all six creams, they found that the cream that has both glycerin and silicone oil shows the highest moisturizing value. Mm. And second, the result was a cream with both hyaluronic acid and silicone oil, not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And the third was the glycerin hyaluronic acid and silicone oil combo. 
find it weird that that's only the third one because yeah. one would think that would be the first one. Yeah. But again, this is a relatively small study, but that is to say any of these combinations did better than any of these things by themselves. And also, again, this is to point out, you know, this is a six hour study, mm -hmm. just like we were saying about glycerin. It's great as an instant yeah. hydrator. So it kind of makes sense to me that glycerin and would outperform the hyaluronic acid one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree that the, I find it surprising the blend isn't better. But all in all, I think, yeah, this is cool. And um, we should mention silicone oil. Um, it depends because silicone oils can be, they really vary. Yeah. But some can act as an emollient and some can actually even be occlusive. So um, I think that's kind of great that that pairing, it shows that you can't just have humectants in your cream. Right, exactly. So, which no. brings us to our first point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are you shopping for glycerin? <laughs> Before you get there, our first tip is look at the ingredient list of all the products you already have. Yeah. You probably have quite a bit of glycerin in yeah. there already. And it's totally fine. You yeah. don't have to worry about, um, oh, I have it in eight products. Like, not a big deal. Um, I would say that probably the more problematic thing with too much glycerin is the people that use glycerin neat. Oh, yeah, um, it gets very sticky. Yeah, it's more of a texture thing. And um, I would say it's, I almost find like, yes, it could, it probably is helpful, mm -hmm. but it's almost unnecessary in my mind. Yeah. Um, but I, this is, this is, um, I know there's a couple people that just buy it and DIY their own glycerin toner. Mm -hmm. More for sanitary reasons, I don't love this aspect. Mm -hmm. um, but um, anyways, I just wanted to point that out there. Yeah. And I think um, if you want to be cognizant of how much glycerin is in your product, let's yeah. say you decode the aisles, so you're like, okay, I do see that glycerin exists, but I'm not sure if it's enough. Yeah. A good rule of thumb to go by is these are higher, high use level ingredients. So if you're looking at a cream, you want glycerin to be in maybe your second spot. Yeah. If you don't have an, especially if you don't have, uh, if you don't layer a hydrating serum and you're only using a moisturizer, you definitely want glycerin at the lowest, at the third ingredient mm -hmm. list. Now, if you want to, um, if you want to use a serum or really know how much glycerin you're using, this because it's so common, percentages are not as advertised on product in general. Our own Aquafix, which has five percent glycerin combined with a lot of other humectants. Yeah. Or something like the experiment super saturated, which really lets glycerin shine with 30% glycerin. Mm. Generally speaking, um, these are great to ensure that you have a base level or good level of yeah. glycerin if you don't want to think about like, uh, am I layering enough glycerin? Yeah. And I think the other thing I would also recommend is um, it's great that you're aware of glycerin, but I hope there's other humectants in the products that you guys yeah. are using. Um, you, the glycols, like urea, the NMFs, there's so many aspects about these water, this water hydrator stuff mm -hmm. that it would just be such a shame if you're only looking, it's only glycerin. I just feel like as chemists, we're, we can do better than that too. <laughs> and you, and most formulas do need more than that. So mm -hmm. anyways, I just want to put that out there. Just a blend is nice. Yep. So cool. uh, that concludes the shopping tips. Yep. And let's get your answers. Question. Oh, question. Answer question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this room is cursed. Let's get your answers questioned. <laughs> Why All don't right. you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. All right. So this first question is just a, it's just a cluster of yep. questions from a lot of people yep. who ask basically, can there be too much glycerin? What's the percentage to look for? What's your opinion on high percentage glycerin? It's just all about concentration. So let's talk about that real quick. Yes. So real fast, glycerin is tested as low as 5% and all the way up to about 20%. It's hard to overdo it. Yeah. None of these papers showed any signs of um, people experimenting any sort of irritation from mm -hmm. glycerin. 
Uh, ultimately, it's it's fine. You should look for at least five. On um, chances are you're layering multiple products with it, so odds are you're probably getting something north of ten percent anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, my opinion: high percentage glycerin, like Victoria mentioned, is it can be helpful for instant hydration. Hydration, but again, if you have compromised skin and you're looking for long-term barrier care, yes. relying solely on glycerin is not really going to get the job done. Yes. All right, second question. At Stellbell20, she asked, is it more hydrating than hyaluronic acid? Which is better for hydration? Uh-uh. It depends on your <laughs> definition of hydration. Um, like Gloria just said, for instant hydration, glycerin would be better. Hyaluronic acid has shown that long-term, it can actually be more helpful. Um, so we would say in order to get broad spectrum moisturizer benefits, you're going to need it all. So that's generally our thoughts. Yep. Uh, and the last one, uh, this is definitely Gloria. I'm just for <laughs> this one at shoot uh, Trilu. Does it taste good? <laughs> I think this person is trying to be very funny. But fun fact, glycerin is as a food additive yeah. and it is mildly sweet in taste. Yeah. We wouldn't expect. Yeah, please you to don't dip go it. lick your your toners and glycerin stuff, please. Yes. Cool. Uh, but yes, this concludes our. <laughs> and we're gonna end there. <laughs> uh, next episode, we are gonna take a closer look at urea. Yeah. So if you have be a good one too. Any questions about that? You can post down here. Yeah. Wow, I really should have just let the conclusion roll. <laughs> All right. So if you have a burning question, you can look for us on our website at chemistconfessions.com. You can write to us at info at chemistconfessions.com. Head to our Instagram if you have a burning question that you'd like to be answered on the podcast. Um, It's usually polled throughout the week. Mm -hmm. What day? Well, you're just going to have to check. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can DM us there and um, or you can just leave comments on our YouTube video below. Um, But otherwise, we hope this episode was helpful for you guys. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.